Dear friends, today I am preaching about two shackles that cause us trouble again and again. The one is fear, the other is anxiety. They keep us from receiving the promises. Our faith is a victory that has overcome the world. This is what the Word of God says. And if we learn to grow in faith and at the same time to live in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we receive an authority that changes our whole mindset. That is what I am preaching about and I am excited to see how this message will affect you. Everything that is born of God will overcome the world. And this is the foundation of my service. Reinhard Bonke says the following. He says, faith is the currency of heaven. The more you pay, the greater is your authority. Now turn to the person next to you and say, faith is the currency of heaven. The more you pay in, the greater your authority will be. And only this can revolutionary uh, can revolutionize our faith, our life. Because if I can um, expand and strengthen my faith, then that means I have I ha I have the decision over it. I have the power to decide. I cannot remain standing in the things that I do, but I have to find a way of how I can make my faith grow, how it can become more, how I can pay more of the currency of heaven. So I think this is my first aspect. Let us come to the second aspect. You can change everything with the right decision. There is a way of a Christian life, um, maybe it's not your life, but I have met these Christians mm, that they think things don't change. And of course we read this in the Bible, but if you have lived with Jesus for a couple of years, then however things remain the same. And of course, as a young Christian, you go your steps and your life changes dramatically. But you reach um, a point in your Christian life where you just remain standing and you feel like nothing changes anymore. But that's not what the Bible speaks about. That's not what the Word of God says. I can change anything with the right decision of my, in my life. And that's very important because it's in our hand. Now we have the attitude that when other people change and when the circumstances change, then I can change as well. Um, but God has not just called us to live a Christian life, you know, sit in Sunday service and so on. But the background of God's ideas is that before the foundation of the world, God has a pl had a plan for my life, for your life, for your family. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan. And this plan is that his kingdom will spread and that he wants to use you and me to do that. So, I am a very important part in his plan. And you are too. Now, tell your neighbor again, you are a very important part of the plan of God. God has called you to change things through you that cannot be done through anyone else. He has known and called you before you were created. That's what the Word of God says. He has looked at you and He has planned you long time before. And His plans are good plans. 
You are part of his calling. I am part of his calling. And the question is, what is this calling? He has put us into this time, which is a special time. And we are called to spread his kingdom in this time. Well, maybe you say, Jobs, I have to look into the press and media first, and then I know what's going on in the world. Because if you look in the press and media today, you don't know what will happen in Hong Kong. There are Chinese troops, and you know, you don't know what kind of decisions will, will be made. Then you look to Iran, you look to other um, areas of crisis, you'll see how the economy is uh, uh, descending. Uh, and then you ask, God, what's your plan? What, what do you want to plan with me in this time? And you have called me to fulfill your plans in this time, but what do you want of me? What's that plan? And that question is not new, but we have to look at this question. When I was a young Christian and walked first steps with the Holy Spirit, um, my first question was, God, what's your plan with my life? And as far as I can remember, there have been waves of securities and insecurities and waves of fears and so on. It did not change. I remember how there were preachers coming and spoke out things prophetically and they said, you have to get ready, you have to prepare. And that uh, evolved some fears in me. And I'm not saying that was wrong because God's actions, it, it appears like waves, but God always looks at us how we react to his, his, uh, his actions. And we are called to take in his place in this time. The word of God says, we belong to his army of love. Okay, now if we look at the Bible, there are two books. So when, when we, uh, we read in Revelation that there are two books in heaven and the one thing is the book of life. So if you have given your life to Jesus, then you are written down in this book of life. And there's also a second book and that's the book in which is rec recorded what we do or what we don't do. So it reco records our actions and that these are our decisions. God looks at you and me and he takes us very serious and he looks at how we make our decisions. And these are the decisions about whether our faith will grow and we can allow something new to happen or we will remain in a desert of sorrows and fears. One of the sermons that I held many years ago was a very powerful speaking of God. And it was about the generation of Joshua. Maybe some of you remember it. It was quite powerful for some of you. But others here probably don't remember this or don't, don't know about this. But I want to share two or three thoughts with you about Joshua, because Joshua reflects the answer of God um, in a time of fear and 
um, sorrow. I am convinced that God will awaken a Joshua generation in this time. Now tell your neighbor, you shall belong to the Joshua generation. Now what is the Joshua generation? It's not a generation measured by their age, but it is a generation of faith used by God. It's not about certificates, your um, theology, um, diplomas, and so on. But God calls a special generation, and I want to especially say, say this to those who are serving in the kingdom, Maybe you're also in another church, in a different church serving. But God is calling a generation of faith. And he wants to give you a new land. And now we are facing the year 2020. And this year, it, it, it holds many promises, many prophetic words. It is like an open door into a new decade. And God uses numbers like this to prepare us for what will come in the future. And God prepares his church, he prepares Christians for what will come and what he will do. And this is the generation of faith that he wants to release. A generation that he wants to give a new land to. And not in the sense of, you know, buying a new house or buying new property or whatever, but he wants to fulfill his promises and, and save new people. I want to read some verses to you from Numbers 13. And we know that the Joshua generation returned and they represent a generation of faith. Numbers 13. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So these are the leaders that were elected. And he says to them, find out of how the um, land is made. Um, are the people weak or um, strong? Are there many or not many? So he says, enter the land and look at it. Look at them, whether they are um, good or uh, good or bad, whether the cities are firm or not. Find out whether the ground is fruitable, or whether there are trees or not. Be bold. Explore the land and bring fruits of the land. Because at that time, the grapes were fertile. So then they entered the land and after they have 
richteten sie ihn und sie zeigten die Früchte des Landes. Then they came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow milk and honey. Here it is its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And then some more phrases on. It says, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked at the same to them. Die Anakita, die wir getroffen haben, sind Riesen. In den Augen waren wir klein wie Heuschrecken, so haben wir uns auch gefühlt. Wir sind in einer Zeit des Heuschrecken. So we are in a time of grasshopper faith. Now you can tell your neighbor to the left and right, I hope you're not a grasshopper faith. Because if we have faith like grasshoppers, that's not so nice. Because they look ugly. I've seldomly found someone who says, my life is like a grasshopper. I looked at something in YouTube today and I wanted to look at a, uh, show you a picture, but I want to spare you from this. Because a grasshopper looks like a monster, it has oh, many, many legs, but it's not a monster. And this grasshopper, it lives in the grass and it thinks that this grass is a forest. And people who have faith like grasshoppers are the same. They, they think they sit somewhere in a forest and they are surrounded by problems. And you know, when grasshoppers see a fear somewhere coming to them, they jump away. When they face so uh, sorrow and fear, they jump away. Grasshoppers always think they are eaten by giants. And for today's time, it's true because grasshoppers are found to be superfood. Um, and that means grasshoppers are written on the top 10 list of the superfood of the devil. I hope you are not on the superfood list. Grasshoppers feel small and inferior. And the ten spies felt the same. You know, they have experienced signs and miracles. You know the story. They saw the sea parted. They saw how Moses led them out of Egypt. They saw miracle after miracle. And these are the leaders of the leaders. They, they are sent out to the land to explore it. And here the promise of God is fulfilled. God has, has done so many things and showed himself. And these are the 12. These are those who are responsible, those who are experienced, those who, who are advisors. And they go on a 40-day adventure tour in the new land. They see the riches, they see the fruit, they see all the possibilities they have there. And they have seen the same miracles like Joshua and Caleb. However, but when they saw the giants, they they uh, they transformed into grasshoppers. They saw the impossibilities. They saw the giants. 
And for some reason, they had different eyes than Caleb and Joshua. Joshua and Caleb, they saw milk and honey and the fruits and the glorious things and everything God spoke about. And the ten other spies, they were full of fear. And their words were full of fear as well and full of rebellion. And they were willing to give up everything that, would ha that, that happened through the faith of Abraham and Moses. Any, everything that God had initiated, they were willing to give it up. They were even willing to cancel the covenant that God has made with Abraham. And you know, God said to, to Abraham, now look at the stars in heaven, look at the sand. These are as many descendants as I would give you. They were willing to give all of this up. They were even willing to go back to Egypt. And they injected um, the, the assembly of Israelites with their, uh, with their disbelief. In Numbers 14 it says, That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. They went against Moses and Aaron. And they complained. They complained about everything they have already done and everything that they, um, yeah, that they have done, done. If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us all fall by the sword? All of the words that God had said, they're not valid in them anymore. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. It's all negative. We will be taken away. We will be killed. It was like a dark cover over their spirit. And that is what fear and sorrow does if you don't have faith. And then they made a plan. Wow, they said the best solution is that we will kick Moses away. Let us choose a leader. And go back to Egypt. So Christians and also leaders who are not led by faith are always people who descend and who unbuild instead of rebuilding. Do you understand? People who are not led by faith, they always descend, but they do not um, rise, they do not build. They lose land instead of taking in the land. And they are led by negative circumstances instead of overcoming these circumstances by faith. Now, let us keep this. God's faith arises above the circumstances. And a person of faith does what God says. And unbelief bends before the circumstances and does what your conscience says. And I'm not speaking about, um, you know, conscience in a very negative way, but conscience shall not reign over us, but the living God shall reign over us. Disbelief bends before your circumstances and does what your 
what your mind says. Good. So I think this is an important point. I will re repeat the words. First aspect was that God is calling a new generation in this time. And I believe we live in this time. I have great expectation to what will come. Great expectation to the next 10 years. Many, many things will change also in the kingdom of God. Many people are hungry and thirsty for God. There are many who gave, give their life to Jesus and come to him. God is calling a new generation to take in a land. The second aspect is a generation that says, my faith is not enough for what I will do. I need more faith. And I want to tell you, you need more faith. First, you need to come to Jesus, but then he will take your faith and he will multiply it. Your faith does not remain on the same level, but your faith will rise and become stronger. And of course, we read in the Bible of small faith and also of mega faith, so very great faith. Every faith roots in the smallest entity of the mustard seed, but the mustard seed does not remain as it is, but out of that, a strong tree will grow. So you need more faith. And the second aspect is, the right decision can change anything. So that means that not a different person decides over me or a different person has to change, but it's my decision. It's about me. It's about my, my right decision that can change anything. Okay, let's go one step farther. And maybe you already realize that it's not a vacation sermon, but God wants to serve you. And I can feel that when, when we when we when we leave and when we are done with this ministry, um, it's my desire that you take something you can truly move before God. It would be such a pity if you just leave the service unchanged. But I want to move something in you. Now there is a word that mm, accompanies me since probably about 20 years. Charlotte and me, we are accompanied by that word. And we often have preached about it and it is the anointing breaks the yoke. Have you heard of this? Some of you think that Benny Hinn uh, found this word or Catherine Kuhlman found this word, but it's written in the Bible. Indeed, it is written in the Bible. And the question behind this is, how can I manage to truly affect things through the power of God? Um, turn to your neighbor and uh, say to him, the word of God is sustainable, it is lasting. It's quite the word of the year or whatever. But how can I manage... Um, to, to, um, to break the yoke by the anointing. And I want to describe three different types of Christians. And you can locate yourself um, to whatever stage you are in. So, so there are Christians who always live in the level of their mind. 
auch ihre Emotionen. And also on the level of their emotions. So you believe in Jesus, you go to church, you read the Bible, you go to a, a Bible study group, you do what a Christian should do, hopefully. But the things, how you, how you decide about things and how you look at things, they are characterized by your, your mind and by your emotions. Das Lenkungselement deines Lebens, das, was dich leitet, eben And what, what leads you in life, you know, it's not just your mind, it's also your emotions. And sometimes you feel rejected, you feel accepted, you feel good, you feel bad. So you live just in your emotion. And you are led by it. And there are also many Christians who who are orientated by their own will. And I'm not saying that all of this is very bad, but the Word of God says that this is a level of a good start. It's like a baby level, okay? It's a Christian baby level. Tell your neighbor, are you living on a Christian baby level? So, this is the stadium of when you have given your life to Jesus, walking first steps with him, then um, you have not learned yet to put your emotions and so on under his will. And Paul calls this kind of level a fleshly level. And it does not sound so nice because in a time of vegetarian people, we don't like flesh, we don't like meat. Anyways, we see that Paul has already warned us from flesh. But we don't mean the flesh in terms of meat, but uh, yeah, that, that other level of uh, living the life that I just described. Um, and you feel that things are very hard, very difficult. Um, Christians like that, they, they keep on the promise of God and you hold on to your, your experiences of three or five years ago. You, you cling on to, to, to things of God and uh, many Christians live like that, but it's not what God has promised. God wants to give you more. Now, if you imagine a big boat, I don't know, just a big boat. And the wind blows and you are hanging on on the outside. You are safe, but you are holding your, your hair just above the waters. You are saved, but uh, you are hanging on to the, yeah, the side of the boat. But it would be much better if you would sit in the boat, right? And then there is the second level. And there are Christians on, on this level who live that they, they know that God blesses them and some places more than he does in others. So I believe God anoints a ministry in a very special way. I will give you an example. Um, now, no matter who you are, but your God, your heart is connected to the to the March of Life, and now you go to Tampere, to Finland, and take place in the March of Life and share your story there, whatever. You you will see how how God will use it. He will bless it. And now that's not your anointing, but you have dived into something that is blessed by God. Or you come to a church um, and there is a blessing and you enter this, this church and you can feel the presence and the anointing of God. 
Das heißt, es gibt eben Orte, in dem And that means so there are places in which God can specially use us. So we are part of something. We are part of a special effect of God, which I will call anointing. And there is a third aspect, which is about you. So you are at some place and you feel like, well, help, I feel lost, there's darkness, I don't know what to do, there are problems arising and things become more difficult and you just want to be used by God. But nobody can help you. Yes. This is the level of, of a supernatural realm. And that's what the Bible calls a level of anointing, a level in which God can use you personally to break a yoke. Maybe it's your, at your workplace, it's in your family. You and the Lord, you are simply together and you are focused on Him. And I want to speak about this third level because the first level, the, you know, the baby level is the milk level, which we should leave. Because, you know, the Bible says it's not going so well if we remain in this level, but there's something better, which is the level of the Spirit in which the Holy Spirit can lead us and God can do the things that we cannot do. And now that's much better, right? Because our strength is just limited. So the Holy Spirit can only move if we live on that supernatural level. Oh, right. My Christian life has something to do with the supernatural God. Often we forget about this, don't we? Ah. The Son of the Living God. It's not just a historic figure, but the Son of the Living God. It's Him, it's Jesus. He resurrected and He's alive. He sits to the right of God. There are heavenly hosts who worship Him. There's the Holy Spirit who represents Him. He is the Comforter here on earth. Wow, life with Him, it's not just feelings and emotions and energy and power and strength. It's, it's supernatural. We are dealing with a supernatural God. And that God is holy. He knows what I do and what I don't do. He looks at me very detailed. You, God, you see me. And it's the Holy Spirit who does the, the, the works of God. And he does so while we have focused our eyes on the works of God. First John uh, 2.21 says, You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you have the anointing. Seven verses on is, However, the anointing you have received by him, it remains in you. And now Isaiah 27.10 if you look into the um, to the original wording, uh, I have checked this, and it says the yoke will be exploded. So it's not that the anointing uh, um, destroys the yoke, but it's the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Isaiah 10:27. Okay, now let us keep this in mind. So it's first of all. First of all, the currency of heaven is faith, 
and that faith has to grow it has to become more that one level is not enough it has to grow so i have to do something with it i cannot just let it happen the second aspect is the power of heaven is the anointing of the holy spirit now many christians move on the level of their own strength and often we we live on this level we can move a lot you know we have gifts we are talented we can organize things well we can manage things and in these structures and organizations and and gifts you can you can even organize churches well but you cannot break a yoke over people it's only the anointing that breaks the yoke but what is that anointing so it's not about something mystic something found some something that was found by charismatic but it's something real it is the power of the Holy Spirit that becomes real here and on earth. And when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes, something happens. You can see it and feel it. People are convicted, start to cry, and they, they, they say, I can physically feel the presence of God. It, it, it happens all in a different way. But that's the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit. And we have even experienced that Holocaust survivors said in March of Life events that they felt how, how oil was flowing through them, healing them, and that was the Holy Spirit. God does the things that we cannot do. He takes things in His hands that we cannot do. And that's what life with God is about. It's not about being a secular, being a secular you are a Christian, about something that we can only imagine or a, a, the, a theoretic relationship to God, but it's about the reality of God so that He can move what we cannot move. But in order for this to happen, I have to know the laws and the standards of God. And often we live our life on and we miss out on the things that God wants to do. You see the anointing of the of the of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the prophets who dance, they they experience supernatural power. It is um, explained in different ways, but it has always been there. And in all times, I have already loved these two examples. Electricity has always been there until somebody tried to, to grasp this a loss and Thomas it was Thomas Edison who found the uh, um, who found electricity so light and also um, gravity has always been there and there were people who were found pile uh, who found um, uh, planes and made it possible to fly so the anointing is not there automatically whether we worship whether we preach whether we pray for people whether we preach the gospel share testimonies it's not there automatically you know it's not like we do the right things and of course God blesses us but we have to reach out for it we have to do something 
And that's part of my ministry, of our ministry. I am so grateful um, that I came to, Je to Jesus through the Jesus People movement. And part of that movement was to say, reach out with everything you have for God so that he can use you. And I used to be a grasshopper Christian. I felt so small and unimportant. I said, I can't do anything. And then I was supposed to go on the streets and evangelize. And I was there with shaking knees, but I knew that's what God says. So I went and did it. Lord, I want my faith to go grow. I want you to use me. Use me in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit started to, to touch us, to move us, to, to use us, to, to share our prophetic gifts. There were very precise words, words of God that were spoken out through services and people were touched and and the power of God came on them because they were under the Holy Spirit. Many years ago, I was invited to a conference in Mexico. And one of the speakers was the wife of Benny And she was serving in the Holy Spirit. And she was on the ground in the Holy Spirit for two, three hours. Uh, and there were watchers around her. So that nothing happens. But there were people everywhere just laying on the ground. And sometimes God does such things. The power of God can come always in a surprising way when He takes over. He takes over the atmosphere. He takes over the family. He takes over what you have done until now. God's not okay with us being... Mm. lukewarm with him sometimes. His power comes into services. And without power of him, we cannot do anything. And that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We can go to order and structured and very nice church service, but it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. The moving of the Holy Spirit brings forth results and changes. It is the electricity of heaven and we have to allow it to come. We, we can. We don't have to. Um, you know, you can also pass God. But what resists God and what resists the power of God, it's often religion. Our religious experiences, our religious um, knowings of God and, and, and churches and, and theologies, but forget about your religious theologies, because if you stand before the living God, you cannot impress him with this. I cannot impress him with my theology or dogmas or whatever. The only thing that matters is whether God was able to touch you. Was he able to use you? And often, religion resists the power of God. The affecting of the Holy Spirit is supernatural, and we, we, we couldn't do all the things we do if we would not have had this. 
Often, um, I wonder, you know, we, we live in a time in which we get trained and um, how there are many things we invest to, to, um, to do a certain job. We invest monies in our job and into um, getting more experience and more experience, and that's great. But why do we think that we can serve the Lord without investing in Him? Why do we think that God can use us and that we could break the chains and go in the anointing if we don't share time with Him? If we don't invest with Him? The anointing and the strength of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's, it's equipped by Him. Why do we think that we could do all these things if we don't spend time with him and we make signals to the Lord that he's only in the back of our mind? Now, without the equipment of the Holy Spirit, you, you can give your best or do your best, but however, we will do these things in our own strength. No matter what we do, whether we lead, um, serve, are in church, we are in our work, in our family, if we do these things in our own strength, then you are a grasshopper Christian. And you will end up in defeat. And from defeat, you will go through the desert. And I have a good message for you. Nobody has to remain in the desert. So, the moving of the Holy Spirit, it is the ability of God to do His works. I can't do it. I can't do anything for God. I can do something in His sense, but it's often difficult to do it. 1 Corinthians 1.27 God chose, chose the foolish. To intimidate the, the, the strong. And often we switch these things. And we say, of course God has chosen the weak. Um, and here I am in my frustration, but it's not... It doesn't look right. Still remember when we were in the uh, church service in which the people fell in the Holy Spirit was my first service and Charlotte and me, we were holding hands and I said, honey, I will go forward. I want to pray for me. And, and, and I thought, well, I don't know if that's scary, if that's really dangerous. And then we went forward and kept on holding our hands. And then people prayed for us and the Holy Spirit came and we were laid on the ground, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, God could have done it in a different way, but often I think what position is appropriate to be before God but laying on the ground before Him. Some smart people say, you have to fall over from the front. Okay, then fall over from the front. No problem. But it's important that you allow the Holy Spirit to touch you. I remember how I, how I asked the Holy Spirit and, and, and I said, Spirit of God, please, I want to be touched by you. 
It was my personal prayer because I was so frustrated about many things, but I asked the Holy Spirit, please touch me. Please touch me. I don't know for how long I prayed, one week, two weeks, three weeks. We fasted and prayed. But I said, Lord, I won't leave this place until I, I, I encountered you. And often we pray and we have a half a prayer and we pray this and that and we just go on in the way we always do. But you have not encountered God. Every prayer in which you don't encounter him is a lost prayer. And there was one prayer in which the Holy Spirit came and I fell face down and the Holy Spirit came to, to, to do things that I have not experienced before started to speak about things that I have not heard before. The Holy Spirit, he chose the weak and the foolish. But it's important that we are able to be touched by him. Now, there are some blockages, and I have recognized that in many Christians' life, they are very um, awake in their spirit. For example, you speak about them with about their vacation, and they are very vivid. You know, they see how the sun rose down and how things were very cool, and you can watch this even in their status. And their postings, the people can be very vivid in speaking about their their job and so on. And then they are very awake in their spirit. But then, when you start to speak about spiritual truth, their spirit starts to close. If it's about the level of the Holy Spirit, then something closes on the inside. You really realize how um, a curtain rolls down. Or you speak about revelations with them and very cool things that God is doing and they just yawn and are bored. You know, maybe you are you sit in cell group and uh, you have great fellowship and you share about your life and it's all great, but then the teaching comes and people fall asleep. And often we are kept in our circumstances. Then we are part of the grasshopper Christians. Now you turn to your neighbor and say, it's probably not the case for you. But the point is that our faith cannot rise if we are part of the grasshopper Christians. You always remain on the same level. And often our prayer life is very dry and difficult. And Another sign is also that we make other people responsible for our problems. And I want to say something very clear. Even if you were hurt by others, not the other person is responsible for your life. But now, touch your breast, touch yourself, point to yourself and say, I am responsible for my life. Now you can say your name and say whatever. Peter, you have to change your life. Or whatever your name is. That was just an example. It's your decision that changes your life. And if you accept this, then things can happen. Hallelujah. 
And now I have a very cool message for you. Today, it, it, it does not fit like that anymore, but in former times, there were uh, radio uh, streamings. Um, you know, I'm from the last century. Thank you, Andreas, for correcting me. I, I come from the last century, and there were radios, and you have had to tune the radio in order to get the right receiver. And if you came to the right point, then you could listen clearly to the radio. So you have to tune your receiver to the Holy Spirit. We hear so many things. But we have to focus on the receiver of the Holy Spirit. Some people who are part of this church for a long time know that my, my ministry and my life has been changed through a special sermon. It was the sermon about the coat of Joseph. And you know, Joseph was the beloved son of uh, Jacob and he gave him this coat and the Holy Spirit ministered to me uh, when we were in an event in England. And God said to me, Jobst, don't try to, to, to wear any other coats, but I have an, an anointing, a, a coat anointing for you, just for you. And this truth is also valid for, for you. God has a calling for you. He has, he has a code for you. But you have to run after it. You, you have to be determined. You have to pray for it. We don't just live our lives and then by chance we hope God will use us. That's not how it works. God has given you authority. It's our faith that can overcome the world. God has pr a promise for you that fear and sorrow can no longer slave you and keep you, but you shall be in victory and live in life of victory over this. So then we found out something else. We found out how blessed we are when we uh, invest into anointed people. Carlos Jimenez taught us about this. And we said, we want that. We approach different um, men and women of God, for example, Rodney Howard Brown. We thought, wow, God is using them. Um, and we financially blessed them. And we saw that we, we received similar things that they had. And, you know, I don't just believe in the teaching of a good ground, but, but I believe that when we sow into good ground, we will receive good ground. We receive an anointing of Carlos that has to do with finances and wealth. When a vacation is over, we will hear testimonies of those who received very great jobs and were blessed by God because they have made their career with a living God. But what's behind all this is the fact that you have to reach out. You cannot just remain in your seat and let things happen, but just like a sport artist who has a goal and who wants to reach a goal, and it's also resembled in the Bible. Someone who wants to get the crown of victory, that person does not stop to train his faith and to run after the plans of God. 
And I'm asking myself, to what generation do you want to belong? You want to belong to the generation that is in faith, uh, that is in unbelief and sorrow and fear and leave, uh, lose their land, or you want to be led into the new land. And God says to Joshua, every place where you put your feet on is the place I have given to you. 20 years ago, God has said this to us and we still walk in that place and we take in land. Everywhere we go, we take in land, whether it's Finland or somewhere else. But God has not given this me, but he says this to his people. It is for the healing of the nations. Joshua 1 verse 5. Nobody can defeat you for the rest of your life. Wow! What a promise! You can put your own name in there. Wherever you go, God does not want to give you up and leave you. Wow, Lord, wherever I go, this is for me. No matter how big the giants, no matter how big the circumstances, I will not leave you. Joshua 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do you know that this is a command of God? You shall be bold and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's what we did. We walked 2,000 kilometers from Moscow to Berlin. If we share the story with other people, they, they, they are impressed. We ran through in Germany from north to south, preached the gospel. We went to the most out of places in the world. We went into slums. People, we have sent out missionaries to build up churches, to build up children homes. We went to different cities to do marches of lives, whether it's um, marches of memories, marches of um, jubilees, march of, of celebration. It doesn't matter, but what's important is that God does it. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, we will reach the altar call now when we pray. The first point we just learned is that you can change anything through your decision. Everything. Now, you can remain in your tunnel of bitterness and uh, die there, or you can come out of the valley of death with your, uh, through your decision and be blessed. And God's light will come into your life. So your decision can change anything. You can choose to walk your own ways, to walk the, the, the wide way, but the Bible says, go the tight way. You can decide to walk the way of hypergrace, where you say everything is grace, or you can say, oh, I want to make the decision to turn and repent so that God can use my life and bless it. It is your decision, and that's the way how God is. He takes you very serious. But he takes your decision serious, and that can change your life. God wants to see your desire, your expectation. And that's why I'm preaching this sermon. 
Now think about, if you don't have an expectation, no expectation to God, then you are dead. If you sit in service and you have no expectation to encounter God, if you pray and you have no expectation to hear from Him, if you serve Him and you have no expectation to receive from Him, then you are spiritually dead. God wants to see our desire, our expectation. He wants to revive it. And to give us persistence, not by, by an impulse, you know, just occasionally and then not at all anymore, but he wants us to be focused on him all the time and receive more of him. Historians who look at the history of churches, they saw that um, the church did not receive when there was no expectation. And maybe you hear, oh, 2020, God wants to do something new. And you're very excited. Or you, you react in a way that you don't expect anything. Churches have died from that. But, oh, hallelujah, I have an expectation to God. He's only at the beginning. We have seen so much already. We have seen how the Holy Spirit did things, but it's only the beginning. And often we, we are like that. We just hold a bottle of water in our hand, but before us there is an ocean. And you think you have seen everything already, but God says you have seen nothing. It's only the beginning. I want to give you something new. And if you have lost your expectation, then come to God today. Because that's the characteristic of a new life in Him. And Judith, please start to play in the background. Expect more of Him. If you go to your workplace, you can go there and, you know, expect that everything works well and that you are blessed and that the coffee machine is nice. Or you can expect that the Holy Spirit comes with His mercy and that the power of God comes on your workmates and that they repent and, oh, you can, you can complain and be frustrated going to work or you can start to pray that God's glory will enter your work and that He will use you and that you pray for people and their lives change. What do you do with your life? You can be frustrated about your family, you can mourn about your family and speak about the negative things, or you can ask God to bring His glory in, where God can come Himself. You can complain that God cannot use you and hoping that you can come into a leading position to prove yourself. You can hope that you will be used one day or you can start right now in the places where you are to do the works of God. What is your expectation? You are in a cell group, you are in a church and you are bored. But through you, prophetic words can come. Through you, things can change. You know, and I wish a great vacation for you. I wish for you it will be joyful and enjoyable. Or you can also have a vacation in which God can visit you. Which God can come to you. There's so many people who use, uh, who need God. So many people in frustration, depression, and fears and sorrows. But God will use you. And you only live your own life and you complain about Him. But God says, look at yourself. 
It's your decision that changes everything. Look at yourself. Your faith needs to grow. I have given you everything already. Just take my word, because their faith will only rise through the word of God. Your faith will only grow if you are living together with people who have faith. You need to receive and open up for him. You need to reach out for him. What is the expectation of your heart? What kind of expectation do you have for God? That was faith that has overcome the world. What do you do with these three enemies? You live with it and you arrange with your chains already? Or do you use the keys that God has given you? Because actually it's very easy. I will summarize the five points again. First point was, you need more faith. Second, you can change anything with the right decision. Third aspect, God asks you whether you are wanting to, whether you want to belong to the Joshua generation who overcomes circumstances by faith. And the fourth is, well, the Lord wants to plant his anointing in you, wants to give you a supernatural equipment to serve him. And the fifth aspect is, you have to tune your receiver on the Holy Spirit again. Oh, what a glorious life that is accompanied by signs and miracles. That's what your life is supposed to look like. My dear worshipers, God has gifted you, but you have to reach out for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And my dear leaders, the Lord sees your devotion. But that devotion has to be paired by faith and anointing. My dear friends, no matter for how long and how often you serve Him, everyone is called to serve Him. Everyone is called, wherever you are. But have a new expectation and receive the desire of the Lord. Have your desire in the Lord and He will give what your heart needs. And there, it doesn't say have your frustration in the Lord, but have your desire in the Lord. He is here. I believe that when you make yourself available for, for the Holy Spirit, God will give you fruit immediately and 10, 20 people will come around you and, and you will lead people in a disciple life. And it won't be difficult anymore to be used by God. God is God and he has a promise for your life, a determination and also for our nation. And the determination for Germany is not that we, uh, we drown in darkness, but there is a marvelous harvest and, and we have to bow our proud knees. That's what we need. We still carry that German arrogance in us. Where do we get rid of it? Just at the cross. His anointing, his power, his authority. Let us stand together. We want to pray.